James Bond. Charming, sophisticated secret agent. <laughs> Shaken, but not disturbed. <laughs> Bond fans, here we are, 11th installment, shaken, not stirred. We are digging ourselves deep into the dredges of some really bad James Bond films. Late 70s, early 80s, really reaching for it, coming into Moonraker. You are back. It's uh, episode 11, shaken, not stirred, the definitive James Bond movie podcast bringing together a whole bunch of unqualified idiots that should not still be doing a podcast after this long. How we haven't been canceled at this point is still beyond me. How are we? Been a, been a couple of days since we got together and recorded. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. Dissect an interesting movie with highs and lows, but uh, always fun to uh, talk about one of these movies with you guys and girls. It's been a while since we recorded, but what timing for this movie? J- just like the Bond franchise, we decided to rearrange our recording schedule and probably address that. It should not have been Moonraker following The Spy Who Loved Me, but... Tiny Little Movie came out in 1977 called Star Wars that apparently completely upended cinema. So we just decided to rearrange the movies and then at the end of Moonraker, ignore what the book said um, about a missile going into space and just decided to create our own space war. I guess the visual effects of this movie is pretty good. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, I'm not crazy about the laser guns, honestly. <laughs> oh, they were great at GoldenEye, though. Uh, great in GoldenEye. I GoldenEye mean, had such a better sound effect for them, too. Yeah. The cheat code for two of them? I was so dirty with those. Yes. For real. If you went all power weapons or well, all weapons, I can't get the golden gun. I was going for the Moonraker lasers for sure. Yeah, Moonraker lasers were nice in the game. We got a lot of folks back here. Roger Moore back. Jaws is back. The random Asian skydiving stunt double for Jaws is back. Um, I don't know if he's in the last movie, but we're going to pretend he was anyway for my own continuity purposes. We have Lewis Gilbert back as the director doing his third Bond movie. Obviously, he did Spy Who Loved Me, but unfortunately, he's also the director from You Only Live Twice. So he had one good one, one bad one, and then Moonraker came around. He's one for two on these trashing a little bit it's not not my favorite boys not my favorite it seemed though he was always on the job though because he was recruiting on a plane and he got dr goodhead to play uh the role while sitting next to her on a plane after she declined the role of anya in spy who loved me so it's just crazy how these things come back together in the body thank universe. god she wasn't anya <laughs> uh, i concur yeah let's get into the plot I'm i'm ready for it oh it's a great one like I mentioned, for, for cinema purposes, this is just after Star Wars came out, so they completely rewrote half of Moonraker, the book, to modernize with commercialization. We get James Bond in space. Spacewalker James Bond. Dude, we're just going to send Bond right to space? We're not going to talk about Drax? Oh. Just wanted to completely kill off the entire human race and put in his own like Didn't he Drax? Perfect, perfect people? <laughs> I was, I, was, I was hoping to be able to just, you know, end this podcast in about eight minutes and be on to something else after this movie. Oh, my God. I mean, listen, Hugo Drax, 
is he just pulling a page out of like Adolf Hitler's book? Like mass yeah. genocide, just oh, killing yeah. people with gas and then just implementing like his own races. I think I said this on the pre-show. If if Kim Jong-un could grow, grow a chin strap beard, that's Hugo Drax, man. Like, but listen, did Hugo like pluck people from France, Italy, like all these different countries to get this? Like, did they come from one place? It, it was never like, it was never said what this race will be, just the perfect person. And it's a crazy plot like that we can relate to because it's something that tried to happen and it's just terrifying, but he's a complete freaking mad, madman. But besides the whole like space thing, like the plot itself wasn't that bad. We saw Bond in like seven or six different countries, USA, Italy, Rio, Russia, before space. You know, Rio's not a country, right? Rio's in a, yeah, that's a city. But <laughs> in Brazil? Whatever. Can we talk you're, about... You're, you're a teacher, right? Just want to make... Just double-checking that? Or are you educating Legend. youth? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Just making I sure. <laughs> I want to I talk a little bit about how Jaws would not be selected as a member of, like, the superior race here. Because the guy just has super strength. You would think, no, like... No, oh. fuck the super strength. The guy can't, like... We had Baron Samani, but Jaws doesn't die. The guy's been yeah. in space. The guy's been dropped out of a plane. The guy he has fell been thrown over waterfall. a waterfall. The guy has he, literally been blown up. Like He fought a shock in one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why big. wouldn't you want that guy to just, like, breed with everyone? Yeah. Seriously. I've got some plot holes. Start this from the very beginning. So, they're transporting the, the shuttle to the UK. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the United Kingdom doesn't have a space program. So correct. what the fuck do they need a space shuttle for, first and foremost? How does this thing take off horizontally off the back of a plane just by just punching punching the, the go button? And more importantly, Hugo Drax has made billions, billions in 1977 dollars, which is probably hundreds of billions in 2020 dollars, mentally adjusting this for inflation. How can this guy who has been preparing this plot for clearly what's got to be decades, not just build himself another space shuttle. He's got to go steal one of the shuttles that he originally built. That just doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. And you can't underestimate how rich this guy is. Because <laughs> I think one of his assistants said it best. It was, if he doesn't own it, he doesn't want it. The guy just has buku dollars. I you mean, know? what's the bomb script about? Oh, why doesn't he own the Eiffel Tower? Oh, because he couldn't get the paperwork to take it to America. You know, I think a lot of this plot is driven by Hugo Drax. So let's start this whole thing with Hugo Drax. Now we'll jump to the plot. Secondly, I got him as a 6.0. Not the most memorable Bond villain to me, but I think this guy's got the best, the best hideouts, the best layers. He's got this palace of Versailles. He's got this this beautiful cave in Rio where there's, you know, nothing but beautiful women walking around. And the guy built his own fucking space station in 1977. Not a great performance by the actor. He's got a couple of okay lines. He looks pretty scary. Doesn't really do anything else besides standing around really creepy. But he plays, really, intro. Well. He plays really rich and really scary. They casted it perfectly. Uh, I'm, I'm a 6.0 here with, with Drax. He's like a full-sized Tyrion Lannister. He looks exactly the same as our little half-man friend, but a complete asshole. Mike, uh, I was with you. I had a six for Bond villain here. I would put him as the comparable of the space version of Stromberg. You know, he's he's just got... He's just not a, as good, though. He's got absurd amounts of money. He prefers to take his entire community up into space where Stromberg decided to, hey, let's live in the water. Yeah. You know, it's it's similar in that sense. 
Yeah. And listen, I the mean, guy I mean, look, just, they did a instead of the underwater, right? Like going, jumping back to the to this this whole movie is basically a remake of The Spy Who Loved. It's all the same people from The Spy Who Loved Me. It's basically the same plot, but instead of underwater, we have space, and instead of Russia, we have Americans. And, and it's not executed as strongly. No, as it's nowhere Russia. near executed. As, it's nowhere near executed as Strombergly as Spy is. This is just a less superior movie. Sure. But yeah, he's got a great manner. Um, he's got money to pay multiple henchmen, the money to buy Jaws, whatever his rate might be. I mean, has to be extraordinary yeah. because he's got a reputation at this point. How, how does he um, hire Jaws too? Is there like a, is there a bad guy like Kelly Blue Book? Hot is like a, a, a hot job? Like, was, that, was that the thing back then? Back pages? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this guy is by far the richest villain we've seen. Yes. Yeah. With all that money, become Batman. Like yes, don't, this guy's don't be space it. Let be Batman. This guy's lair blows Stromberg's right out of the water. And oh, sure. I, I, look, I got a special place in my heart for Carl Stromberg, <laughs> but Hugo Drax. Like I said, Hugo Drax's digs are second to none. Atlantis is one. Atlantis is one thing. When you build your own fucking space station that can dock multiple spaceships, you're playing with buku bucks. Yeah, Even his yep. mansion was insane. His mansion, dude. Him and Bond had some back and forth throughout the movie, too. So, I mean, that was good. I gave him a 5.6. I went back and checked. That's just one decibel point more than Stromberg. Nice. I was, I was actually done that purposefully, wouldn't you? I was, uh, I was tied. Six for uh, Hugo Drax and six for Stromberg. They're I, the same I rank. I enjoyed the back and forth between the two. And I, I, like, I like how much power that Drax wields. But the performance just really lackluster. Honestly, I didn't really care for the actor's uh, performance with it. Probably could have switched the two. And maybe maybe Stromberg would have thrived here. I did like the scene where they're shooting, uh, I, guess, I think it was Quail, and Bond shoots into the tree. And they're like, you miss? He's like, did I? Shout out the henchman, but... Yeah. We haven't even talked about the fact that Stromberg kills somebody by sicking dogs on him. I mean, this dude is vicious. Ruthless. To John's point earlier, right? Jaws comes back in this movie because, and I don't know if you said this on the pre-show or you said this while we were recording. I'm going to give you the credit for it anyway, but like the producers of the movie received like hundreds of thousands of letters of little kids wanting Jaws to be in this movie. So you think by them putting Jaws in the movie and it being probably the most satirical and most cartoonish of all the Bonds, that it's going to be more on the GPG level. But instead, we get one of the darkest Bond scenes probably of the entire series. Where this guy just sicks two dogs on killing this woman. Yep. Yeah, and to the point about Jaws, like, the director's production, they got letters from kids saying they wanted Jaws to be a goodie and not a baddie. They said, like, he had the most fame out of all these movies, and I think he went on to some pretty damn good roles, uh... With Happy Gilmore. We got on to Drax because of his overall influence on the plot, right? Drax and the plot are not totally one of the same, but you have to talk about them in parallel because he drives the whole plot of this movie. He Absolutely. is the plot of this movie. Yep. And for that, for the plot, I scored it a seven. I thought it was entertaining, you know, until they got up to space, really. I was actually enjoying the film. I thought overall, it was pretty easy to follow. It was an easy plot to follow. You didn't really get lost in, in the whole delivery of it. And I don't know. I think, I think it's believable coming from a guy like Drac. I think the plot was good for the time because they went with the space thing. Maybe they were going after the audience. Maybe they were not Bond fans. Maybe they were Star Wars fans. Maybe they tried to rope them in. It was a simple plot. Killed it at the box office. The highest uh, grossing movie to date. And I think it held the title until GoldenEye plot. 
For what it was, I had it at a six. I had it at a 4.5 originally, but after sitting here and talking about Hugo Drax for the last five minutes and basically talking myself into the fact that Hugo and the plot are kind of one and the same, I'm going to move it up to a 5.5. I still have I still have a lot of plot holes in here that were a little quirky to me. I think there's just some execution issues. The whole space scene to me is just a, a, a really truncated, clunky second it was a portion. It's the second portion of this movie. And that was part of the reason I had it so, so low. But some of the, it really is like some of the stuff beforehand is the stuff surrounding Hugo Drax is really good, but it's weird opening, doesn't make any sense. Some interesting Hugo Drax stuff, some terrible gondola chases. Maybe a little bit of plot, and then and then we go to space. So I'm I'm gonna hold strong on a 5.5 here. I'll give it a little bit more, but I'm not going any higher. Yeah, I I gave it a 6.1. I, I think y'all made some points earlier where I think this was targeted to maybe to a younger audience because of the sci-fi and everything that's happening in the 70s uh, with Star Wars. So I think they were kind of targeting maybe a younger audience, despite some dark elements. With that being said. It's really, and we're going to get into it, it's really lacking some performances in this movie that could have escalated it. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what it's not lacking, though. It's not lacking product placement. That's for fucking sure. Yeah, and they know why. <laughs> yeah. The extended driving scene where there's nothing but billboards. Yep. Yeah. Dr. Goodhead smokes Marlboro Reds. Like, Jesus. Yeah. And product placement fucking you, everywhere. Was, it a, was this a big box office hit? It oh, was big- the highest grossing Bond film up until GoldenEye. Damn, I didn't know that. It, so production budget was larger than all eight, than like eight, the eight, the first eight movies combined. And then it was the highest grossing Bond film up until GoldenEye. The opening scene cost more than Dr. No total. Yeah. That, uh, that product yeah, placement was worth it. Though. Yeah, it was 19, $1977. This was a $30 million movie. So I'm going to guess. Anybody want to take an inflation guess while I pull up a calculator? I'm going to guess 53. I'm terrible at math. Well, I mean, clearly Subo doesn't understand the globe either, so. <laughs> hey, I'm not good at geography or geometry. Trey, I'll tell you what, this performance was also not lacking. An old-ass James Bond. Dude, okay. Are we diving into that right now? $128 million, by the way. How much is that? $128 million would essentially be the, the, the modern production budget for this movie. Which is? Well, yeah, we already covered Bond villain and plot. We got to get into to old ass Roger Moore. We got to get the Roger, Roger Moore looks fucking old in this movie. Listen, old balls. His loose skin and his old balls. <laughs> brutal, yeah. brutal performance here from yeah. Roger Moore. A rough one. I mean, he's starting to act his age, guys. He's from here. It gets it's downhill with Roger Moore, unfortunately. The only thing I'll give him in this film in that that scene in like the centrifuge where he is spinning around i'm actually afraid for roger moore's life here yeah because he is old as fuck he cannot be going around at speeds and g-force like that you know <laughs> even if it's simulating like even if he's like even him performing like pretending to yeah, be going we're... that fast i fear for him i know yeah. we're bouncing i know we're bouncing around here but i mean Ooh, I think it may be time to go home take me around the world one more time why not I will say, my, I, I gave him a, I think I gave him a six. Let me just check. Yeah, I gave him a 6.0. I will say this about Roger Moore in this movie. He had good chemistry with Hugo Drax and Goodhead, in my opinion. They had like good chemistry, 
but just him performing as Bond, I guess just I'm, just him performing as Bond, I guess, is where he just lacks a shit ton. And his age is just awful. But his chemistry is great. I mean, again, remember, you know, we're talking about this is the first actual actor to play James Bond. So there are some decent moments, right? He could have come out of this centrifuge and delivered some pithy, terrible line and totally ruined the yeah. scene. But the scene is played well. And some of the banter back sure. and forth with M, the secretary, the minister of defense um, is pretty decent. And the scene where they burst in, where they think they're looking at like a bio lab, yeah. there's some good, there's some good scene from a man that's actually an actor. But he's yeah. also really fucking old to be playing this role at this point. Old I'm just going to give him the, the nickname Old Balls from here on out. Yep. Trey, I, I was with you. I scored him a six. I agree with your points that he does have good chemistry with the other actors and actresses in this film. I think overall the film lacks some of those essential James Bond quotes and, and deliveries. You know, I know when he first gets introduced, introduced to Goodhead, he, he drops it. But, you know, the, the actual shake and not stirred is delivered by that bartender in the um, – yes in the suite there, what yes. is the presidential suite that he's staying in. So I, I think that kind of just knocks a, a little bit off of it for me right. because he's not really giving the delivery. He's just kind of receiving it. I don't know, man. Every, every time, every time I watch Roger Moore, I'm just like, I wish this was someone else. I wish it was, I wish Anything. it was uh, Timothy Dalton even. Like, yeah. It just, it, it just becomes more, he becomes more and more and more of a caricature of himself. And, the thing that I bumped on really hard, it's Commander James Bond. The guy is a, you know, a Navy commander, so it makes sense that there's lots of boat sequences. How the fuck does this guy know how to fly a space shuttle? Just out of nowhere. How the fuck does this guy know how to fly a space shuttle? Same as a plane. Can well, I listen, you made, a, you made a great point. The UK doesn't have a fucking no. space program, right? They don't have a space he, program. He's the first Brit in space. Like, I mean, Goodhead is the first female in space. That means James Bond has to be the first Brit in space here, potentially? I, mean, I guess yeah. so. They, and they don't make a big deal out of that? Well, he I mean, knows not to space and you only live twice. So he's oh. been waiting a long time to get to space. So don't you yeah. take this away from James Bond. Yeah. Like, Another thing, I, Roger Moore, he's not – just talking about Roger Moore. He's not a bad actor. I'll, no, I'll hit on him a lot like going forward. He's not a bad actor by any means. Age was not on his side. He's just – he should have retired from Bond – before this movie. And like he missed a lot. Like he did not have a P uh, he did not have his pistol in this movie. He did not like even yeah. his, his one kill, his one gun sequence was shooting a guy with his, uh, the fucking archery gun. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a car chase. He had two boat seats. He did shoot a guy with a double barrel shotgun from like three miles away. True. Which first and he killed the guy with a throwing that. knife. That's true. With a throwing knife. Yeah. What, what a hilarious scene. I can't wait to talk about Like, that. he just missed, yeah. like, the Bond quintessential elements. His gun yeah. and car. Hey, what's, what's his gun on fire in space, Soup. That's why what you need the, the Moonraker lasers. What's his body count in this movie? Can we talk about that real quick? We can, we can. So, Bond's got... We're uh, obviously, Spy Who Loved Me has the largest body count, obviously, because of the all-out war on the, on the ships. Yep. But I believe, if I have this correct, this has the second highest total body count of any Bond movie. Wow. So the body count's up at about 81. I think it has everything to do with the, the space laser scene. Bond's got, a, Bond's got a low count here. Bond's got Bond's at 12. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had stretcher crew, per se, in that uh, cable car scene when they come crashing down and yep. in the back of the ambulance. And he's mm -hmm. got 
yeah. the gondola scene where he obviously has the throwing knife kill. And then he got a few henchmen along the way. He's got the guy in the tree. He had Chang. I'm going to amend the Bond kills from 12, and I'm going to call it 13. And I'm going to say that in this movie, Roger Moore kills the franchise for the foreseeable <laughs> future. Uh, can I... Can I get a motion on that one? Is that, uh, is that all in favor? That Roger Moore is the franchise until Timothy Dalton takes over? Peaks and valleys, man. Peaks and valleys. <laughs> I still think For Your Eyes Only is better than Moonraker, but sure. we'll get to that on the next episode. Yeah, yeah look, I, look, I agree. Like, I, I think I said this on the pre-show. This is, without a, this is without a doubt one of my bottom five, Moonraker. Moonraker is bottom five for me. I, this is the basement for me. It's a different podcast, but I absolutely love uh, For Your Eyes Only, but we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> So but let's I'm a, talk uh, about some yeah, Dr. Goodhead. I'm a 5.5 uh, on this one. Soup, where were you on this? For Bond Performance, I'm a 5.0. One of my lowest scores. All right, so this, this brings us to, uh, I guess we'll talk about our title Bond girl here. He did uh, fight an anaconda, though, so that was kind of cool. Obviously, we're, uh, we're not leaving any, uh, any subtlety here any longer with, with Dr. Goodhead. Paul Linger, if it's 69, you were expecting me. <laughs> Great quote. That's a good quote. I have that in my list. That is a good quote. Dr. Goodhead did anything well in this film. It was raise the reputation of prior CIA agents. Oh, without sure. a doubt. She, she, she at least brought the CIA to a, to a fighting level here. Yes, yes. Um, appreciate her. Otherwise, I thought she was pretty bland, to be honest. Um, I didn't think she really excelled at anything. I wouldn't, I'd kind of just say she's a plain Jane. She wasn't like drop dead gorgeous and she wasn't like super helpful. She was helpful enough. Where does she rank in the pantheon of Bond girls? Any, anybody looked this up before? She had a tough act to follow. She wasn't like amazing, but she also no, wasn't. No, I mean, yeah, I mean like she got, she got dealt a bad hand, right? Because, you know, Anya's an absolute smoke show. I think she's very attractive and gorgeous. I think she just falls flat and is not hated, not loved and, Maybe that's a good thing to fall somewhere in the maybe 10 to 15 range. I just thought she was boring, uh, honestly. Um, like I said, she raises the stakes for prior CIA agents. She did a good job there. I mean, it's not Rosie Carver running around out there in space. No, no, it's not well, nine different Felix Lighters kind of just bumbling over themselves. I mean, she's obviously competent. She's got tons of gadgets and gizmos going on here. She basically tells Bond to piss off not once but twice in this movie before she decides to even cooperate with the guy. She's attempted to kill him uh, in the movie. You know, she's got all this. Better than Goodnight. Without a doubt. I had her at a 5.5. I certainly wouldn't say she's in the bottom feeding Bond girl, but she doesn't even challenge the top tier for me. I had Bond. I'm a 5.0 here. I did a 6.0, but I also included a Corinne Defer. Another pilot who happens to be a assistant of a very super bad guy. She sleeps with Bond. She helps Bond. Then she gets road-dogged and devoured by dogs. Her death was brutal. Corinne was cool for yeah. a split second. She didn't, she didn't jump my rating one way or the other. Uh, she just kind of existed in the Bond girl realm. What about Jaws' girl? The complete smoke show. Oh, Jaws' girl is nice. Yeah. Is she is she the hottest girl in this movie that Jaws bags? She was stacked. Um, I think as we're continuing along the uh, the James Bond bedpost counter here, there's uh, three lovely ladies who get taken down by James Bond. Obviously, Connie, who meets an untimely and brutal death. Corinne. Dog. Uh, Corinne, sorry, Corinne. I can't call her Connie. 
And we keep forgetting about Manuela in this movie. Jaws chases, Jaws tries to kill in Rio de Janeiro. Manuela's a good-looking girl in this movie. She's probably the best-looking of the, the Bond girls Not uh, that's not Jaws' girl. You What's mean Dolly? Does she have a name? Does she have Dolly? a name? Manuela, uh, Manuela. No, Dolly is Jaws' girlfriend. Oh, Dolly. Manuela is the girl who was in Rio de Janeiro, which yeah. is not a country, which is a city in Brazil. I know that. I'm going to keep yeah, calling because her. because we educated you about 15 minutes ago. I'm going to keep calling her Jaws' girl, though. So Jaws' girl, mm-hmm. do y'all, like, there's like a Mandela effect with her. Do y'all think she has braces or no? Yes. I, I didn't think about that, but now that you're saying it, yeah. Man, so, what's... Soup, what do you think? Braces or no? I think so. We probably could have got her on this podcast. She, she does not have braces. Just the big chin. She just has, like, very clean teeth. I don't know, but she does have braces. Well, let's but, find out. The music <laughs> scene is utterly ridiculous. Absolutely. James Bond, just grab her hand and they walk off. Like, yeah, I go back to my YouTube comment. Yeah, I might uh, have to bump the jaw score for that. So, no braces. Yeah, I guess not. No, I guess not. I thought she did. Yeah. Going back to a uh, good head, I gave her a uh, 6.9. <laughs> look, yeah. look, great, great name. Probably great. top five name for Bond girls. Yeah, CIA agent. I mean, she's not, she's not the best agent. She's certainly not the worst that we've seen. That you've I mean, the, bar, the bar is pretty low right now. Yeah, I mean, she's following up Anya, so it's it's a tough act to follow, like Soup said. I don't know. I don't think she's that bad to look at either. No, no, no. I, by by no means are we saying that she is not a good-looking girl. But when you are comparing her to the ten previous movie, the ten previous movies, she's probably in the uh, the bottom two or three. And I think, like, I don't know how old she is in the movie, but it doesn't have the statutory rape vibe that we're getting with Bond girls with Roger Moore going forward. Cause it's like Roger Moore gets much older and like these girls get younger. I feel like. Especially in the 2020 lens, it's kind of disturbing when yes. the rewatch. Correct. I'm a, but I don't know. Good head. She's not probably going to be in like the mid. If I ranked all the Bond girls, she'd probably be like in the mid of my rankings. Yeah. That's what I would say. Somebody who doesn't um, talk about cause she's not loved and she's not hated. Right. Well, who, do you, who do you think is worse? For Bond girls? That we've sure. seen already? Yeah. I mean, I could give you two and you only live twice. Yeah. Tiffany Case? S- Tiffany oh, Case? She's my, she's, she's my last one. I would say Tatiana Romanova is probably close. Um, I, I'd probably put her in the same category as Mary Goodnight. I think Goodnight is a better looking Bond girl. Yeah. Good Head is a more efficient Bond girl. I got Goodnight below her, Tiffany Case below her, Kissy Suzuki below her. Kissy's sucks. Stacy Sutton and uh, A View to a Kill below her. That's We're not there yet. yet. We're not there yet. I, I, we're not I'm there yet. Like, We've never seen I, that movie. That's the case. Let's just talk about Jinx, too, while we're at it. <laughs> no, I'm oh. just like, those are Bond girls that I would like put below her. I, I'm looking at Screen Rant. Screen Rant has Holly Goodhead ranked 28 out of 30 Bond girls. We got good head. We got good night. Right, goodbye. Let's move on. We got good um, speed. Oh, wait. That's the other Sean Connery movie. But yeah, Doc, good speed. Let's move on to a high point of this movie. Let's talk about the guns, the cars, 
and the gadgets. More importantly, it's about the guns, the boats, and the gadgets. Because there's no, because there are no cars in this movie. He had to engrave. There is, there is a drivable gondola though. That was is your closest to the car. And a cable. There's a cable car. There's a cable well. car. Yeah. Yep. The pigeons well, loved it. I guess. Yeah. I guess let's just dive right into it, right? Let's save that, the discussion of that as a actual chase sequence for next, because there's a lot yeah. of comments about that. Agreed. But yeah, I'm, I'm just saying but, that what, gondola was full of gadgets. I mean, that thing was loaded. I mean, first off, one, we have no idea how this thing gets there, but Q Branch apparently has a mysterious Venice headquarters that, you know, this thing's camped out waiting for him. Yep. All of a sudden you got, you know, you get the guy showing up in the in the casket that opens up with all the knives, which is another fantastic gadget, to start attacking Bond. Bond throws the driver out and turns on the engine and this thing takes off through the canals of Venice. I think the gondola in itself almost replaces the typical Bond car here because it's yeah, got, I think so. it's got everything. Um okay, it's absolutely but that that scene with Q Branch, where they're showing everything that they're working on, is a great scene as well. Yes, mm-hmm. I factored that into my guns, cars, gadgets, where mm-hmm. you have turret gun that comes out of just like a guy that's hunched over, you know, in a poncho or whatnot. Yeah, and <laughs> the you, machine gun was amazing. But talking about boats and replacements, dude, there's a second boat chase where he's got mines, he's got homing torpedoes. And then he's got a hang glider that just appears out of the back of that boat too. Yep. So you've got you've got two replacements for cars in the And game. and what about the first thing that gets introduced to us? The dart gun. The, dart the, the wrist wrist mounted dart gun that actually kills your your Bond villain. I think that is the most essential one. You got cyanide laced or just regular. But then you also have you've got Goodhead CIA kit, right? You got the poison pen. You got the the diary that shoots the poison darts. She's got the the radio purse, and then she's got the Chanel perfume that's actually a blowtorch. You know, so she's loaded to the brim with gadgets and gizmos. And you've yeah. got floating bad guys and floating U.S. astronauts that all have lasers. Pew, pew, you know, and Q's got balls. Bolos. 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 <laughs> uh, great, no, great I point. think this was my highest score in the film. I gave it a 7.5. I'm, I'm uh, with you. I'm a 7.5 here. I newly adjusted her to 7.5 as well because uh, I never factored in a good good heads uh, gadgets, so I bumped it up a bit. Yeah, for me, the only thing that keeps it from really jumping is the lack of a car. Like I said, the gondola replaces it, kind of, because it's got all the gadgets a part of it, but I really would have liked to see at least some sort of vehicle in this. It just doesn't seem like a, a proper Bond score without the car, but everything else was there, so I gave it a 7.5. His mini camera even was engraved. The and seven logo. The Rista dot thing. For those of you who play all the James Bond video games, it's been in every video game that's ever been made. So it's always been a cool little gadget. Whenever you run out of ammo, you whip out the little gadget and you hope for the magic shot. Yeah. That's uh, my favorite gadget from the film, honestly, is the 007 camera. If they didn't sell those in like, some kind of like toy fashion back then. That was a missed opportunity. They had to. They had to. They product placement. Everything. How do you not? Yeah. 
we do sure. crazy backgrounds for this, and mine is right now the little Double Seven Moonraker space astronaut action figure that was sold and mass produced. I mean, before we move on, I would be remiss if we don't take take the time to look at the clip of Q's balls. <laughs> Good. Have that ready for Army Day. Yes, sir. Melting this, this guy's way. face. <laughs> also, I mean, just like a monk shooting a laser gun. It's a cool concept. It's just cheesy. And like, I think the gondola, honestly, is also kind of silly, to be honest with you. Oh, right? I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. Like, well, we get to the chase portion of it. It's terrible. I like all the gadgets and things with it, but like... 1979 lens. As far as like on like cars or vehicles, it's flirting with the invisible car. But it's also like so impractical. Yes. He has to stop it to inflate the skirt to hide the wheels, but to, to inflate the skirt to hover it. The guy in the boat could easily have shot him any number of times. How do you not shoot? Are you so oh, blown away to- by, a, by a driving gondola going through the, the square of Venice doing three miles an hour? He could have been shot a million times in this film. I mean, Hugo Drax could have shot him before he gave him the gun to to have him peasant shooting. Like, listen, hey. Bond could be shot and killed so many times in all exactly. the movies. Exactly. You can't, you can't make the <laughs> argument. That, There's oh, got to be a list out there. How many times Bond should have been killed? It was impressive that gondola. Like everybody was looking at it. The waiter who poured the wine on the guy. The guy who looked at the label thinking he was drunk as a skunk. The painter. Pigeon. The, the dog. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, we're gonna save the double takes and the, we'll, 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 we'll get break that, that we'll scene down that. shortly. That's uh, Trey's line. We'll welcome, get to welcome it. We'll get to shaken, it. not stirred. We're, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that. that. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys? You guys gave your scores for Guns, Cars, Gadgets. Everyone. Seven point five. It's my highest yeah. of the uh, the movie. Seven I gave it a seven point one. Seven five. My highest of the movie as well. That takes us to the supporting cast: the henchmen, the MI six, the space astronauts all of the people in here. I think there's a lot to unpack. I, I think there's a lot of highs and lows here. You know, I think there's a lot of attempts at returns to glory. Chen, the samurai, really not a great henchman. Don't really know what Jaws' purpose is in this entire movie, And all, if we're being honest here. Great bad guy. Clearly, him and Baron Samadhi are incapable of being killed. Have no purpose or no idea what the fuck Jaws is doing in the opening scene. Because he hasn't been hired by Hugo Drax yet, I don't think. We get the boss of the KGB from from Spy Who Loved Me makes an appearance at the end, getting woken up in his pajamas. We get a grandmotherly money penny here. You know, yeah. money penny is more Terrible. grandma than you know than foreplay playful banter. We get M, who apparently owns one shirt and one tie in the entire movie because he wears the exact same shirt and tie in every single scene, regardless of what continent he's on. And it's sadly his last, Bernard Lee's last performance mm-hmm. who did a wonderful job through all 11 movies so far. We have Q, who is by far the best part of MI6 in this entire film. Yes. Yep. Q, Q was excellent. His, he had great lines and he had a huge impact in the result of the film. Yep. Uh, yeah. But other than that, I, I agree with you. I think uh, Chang was kind of a bargain bin odd job, you know. He yeah. just uh, he didn't say much in <laughs> in the film. I don't know if he had a line, but I mean, look, even yeah. Jaws got a line in this movie, man. He made an appearance, and you know, I, I genuinely felt he was pretty good in the scenes that he he appeared in. But it was quick. The film absolutely ruined Jaws, flipping him from bad to good, and just 
He was more of a comic relief in this film than, than a henchman. Now, in, in the opening scene, the guy that Bond is fighting, who he dives out of the plane, who's got Correct. the stick-on mustache, does that character even have a name? Because I want to give that guy a score, because that Carlos Danger motherfucker should really uh, be part of this. Because didn't we learn in Goldfinger to not shoot guns on planes? Or didn't they explain this to us a number of movies ago? What the fuck was we'll that? We'll get guy? to it. We'll get to it. Opening sequence, Mike. We'll, we'll get, get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to that. We're Listen. we're we're still we're still talking about our cast here. Yeah. Um, his I, name is Pilot Private Jet. His real name is Jean Pierre. <laughs> Jean Pierre Borat. Jean Pierre. He's fucking Borat. I I hated the supporting cast in this film. Yeah. I gave it a three point five, and most of that was on just Q's performance actually giving it some some merit because ruining Jaws and the the cheap ripoff of Chang as, as the henchman was, was pretty weak. Yeah. I gave it a 5.6. Listen, they ruined Jaws, like you said, DJ. This is where it just goes on to my theory where this is just targeted for, like, kids. Hmm? Like y'all mentioned earlier, like, the kids wrote it and wanted Jaws back, so they gave him, like, a happy-go-lucky ending. Like, I don't know. I felt like his character deserved better. Have him go down in the ship or something. I don't know. Like They tried to, but apparently you can't kill Jaws. Yeah, even if say he t- maybe he turns good, but like he di- like has like some kind of heroic death. I don't know. There was there's something you could have done better there. And well, yeah, I mean, Lewis like you said, Trey, if he goes down with the ship, he saves Bond and lets him escape. And yeah. let's say the ship Save explodes Earth. or something, no, no problem. He he's doing a good deed. He's helping out Bond. Is Give him a heroic death. Yeah, Earth. right. Like something better than like him and his girlfriend just waving Bond goodbye. On the yeah. on the window, and then Finding he, he, gets, he gets a champagne toast. Like, yeah. the... Here's to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know. It was just a happily ever after ending for one of the greatest villains of all time. It was weird. I don't know. I hate it. I that didn't hate it. I'm kind of glad he lived, but I didn't love it. But if you're gonna have him live, have him come back again or some shit. No, I don't even think you can have him come back. Like, you no, can't. he shouldn't have even came back to this film. Exactly. Like, maybe if, if he didn't die in The Spy Who Loved Me, he should maybe came back maybe A View to a Kill or something. Uh, like, a shitty movie where, like, bam, here's Jaws. I mean, he fucking they, I mean they, they did that. It's called Moonraker. Here's a shitty movie. Bang, here's Jaws in the opening I mean, sequence. And they and you shall receive, sir. It would be nice <laughs> if some other allies and yeah. villains could come back or people could come back. Who yeah, might have died, but yeah. Look, I, I think you're a little low on your score, D. I'm a five point five on this one. I think Q. I think Bernie Lee as M isn't terrible. All of the, uh, I guess the the Draxians on the uh, on the plane on the uh, on the space. You know, yeah. all of these people all together. You know, you're basically pulling everybody together. I, I don't think it's that terrible, but it's probably not far off. Listen, they scored negative points for me, which is why the score got driven down. Yeah, he just but, needed yeah. an ally. He needed an ally. He needed a. a I can't even. Bay. I can't even invent a reason to fight with you on that one. He needs a cream bay to assist him in this. If somebody like that, he lacked a right hand man. So Listen, like if I if I start all my scores in like the middle at a five out of ten, and I go one way or the other, which is typically how I'm scoring these. If, if it's scoring so many negative points for, for Jaws becoming an absolute laughing stock of the character that he once was, yeah, you can only do so much to save that for me. Probably have to adjust. It's probably a 4.5. It probably, yeah. 
it's it's not very good. Yeah. Listen, I I start everything in the middle of the road, and then I'll I'll bump or go down accordingly. Yeah. Maybe I am a little harsh on it, but listen, I thought Jaws was an excellent henchman in the film before it, and the they just they just absolutely castrated his character here. Yeah. My, probably my favorite henchman, honestly. If I'm going to be honest, he's probably my favorite. And I, I, almost, I almost don't even want to count him as a character in Moonraker because I like him so much as a henchman. Right. It just ruined him. He, he pulls off the overalls, though. I don't know if overalls were a thing then, if that was like a fashion, but he pulled it off. I'll give him that. And, and, the, and the, apparently he's got, he spit some game. Yeah, man. He, I, I will give him that. Yeah, and he, and the picture that he gets a love interest. Him, flash it, flash, those, flash that, those pearly chromes and, you know, just. Yeah, man. He's swoop. pulling off the suit there, too. Like, I, Dude, rob the jewelry store. Tell him make you a grill. In a, <laughs> they said the teeth are Richard Keogh, the actor's name. He couldn't wear them for more than, like, two or three minutes because they were just so uncomfortable. Some scenes, they legit used tinfoil to film. But yeah. they said behind the scenes, Richard Keel and Roger Moore, like best buddies. Some of the behind the scenes pictures that we see now are just them having a fucking ball behind stage. Like, great actor. And I think he added a lot to the series, but. Terrible like, stunt double. Terrible stunt double, with no fault of his own. <laughs> horrible, horrible stunt double. I, I don't think I noticed it. I know. Well, now, now that we're on it, let's get to the song and opening sequence, right? <laughs> How did you not <laughs> notice it? I, I might have. I, are we talking about like the scene where like they're skydiving? Yeah. <laughs> Crash onto the Big Apple Circus. Yes, we're dude. Oh my god. So wait, god. everyone, everyone's in on their score for the henchmen before we get into this uh, the song opening credits. Six point oh. Six point oh for Sue. All right. Yeah, let's let's watch Jaws a little flat. Dude, it's not even close. <laughs> not even close. This stuff, man. <laughs> Trying to cue it up. I'm really excited. I don't think I've I don't think I've just ever noticed. Like uh, maybe I like looked at my phone or something during this scene. I don't know. Uh, that I, that's how I'm out of touch with this opening like sequence. It's just <laughs> <laughs> is that Wayne Newton? <laughs> <laughs> that guy's well, awful. My boy Wayne. That's it. What, that's it. <laughs> He's got pearly whites, though. Look at those teeth, man. He's wearing, you know, he's wearing like those like vampire teeth almost. Yeah. Yeah. He got the daunting haircut. Yeah. Like, so, this is, uh, so, so, in case I'm here, this is Jaws, uh, by the way, in the opening sequence. That's amazing. It's wow. terrible. It's Ken Jung. That's so funny. That's. I can't believe you didn't wow. notice it. Like, the, I, that, it can't be unseen now. Yeah, you'll never unsee it. Wait, so what clip is this? So for people listening, it's like enjoy it's the, your flight. It's, it's the opening clip of the movie, and we're like, yeah. I just yeah. I just screenshotted it, Trey. I'll flip it to you so you can pop it up on the Instagram. Yes, uh, it's bad. Like it's, it's bad. It's two minute two thirty nine. We have it paused on, and the YouTube clip is enjoy your flight, Moonraker. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Not, not a great opening scene. <laughs> but with that, let's talk about our song and opening sequence and credits. Guys, awful man. <laughs> well, like it's, I don't. It's, I don't. It's I, I think I look. I'll, I'll start out my score. I I gave it a song open credit. I gave it three point four. The song, the lyrics are just bad. I I don't think she her performance is 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 bad. I I think she's Shirley Bassey. She's a legend, but. The lyrics in the song are 
awful. Somebody on the on the musical side of this should be arrested for what they did to Shirley Bassey in this movie because yeah. the voice of Goldfinger, the voice of Diamonds, this is just an abomination. Like this, this is an injustice. You and know? this was like I I think this is a popular song. Don't, don't people like like this song? It was. It's a good I song. I don't know who they are, but apparently people like this song. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't see how people like this song. It doesn't fit the movie. Watching this movie, I think we get some of our most yeah, please t- take it off. This is not a good one. If uh, I'm if I'm scoring Bond songs, this is in the bottom three for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I would almost say it's going to be bottom, but that's fucking that title is only shared by Madonna and Madonna only. I would say bottom three. I don't know where you know in the in the entire grand scheme of things where it might actually fall until I actually finish all this, but uh, it's bad, guys. I <laughs> I don't enjoy this song. I would never listen to it on my own. If yeah, I wasn't no. just scoring this film or or listening to a mm-hmm. playlist of Bond songs, yeah, I, I think the the opening credits weren't very great. Just had a, a few almost like silhouette gymnasts just kind of twirling around. Yeah, it, and, look it was, it. and it's it's slow and it's sad and it's boring, and it's not like Spy where where more goes over the cliff and you get the big you know after he right. apparently kills Anya's lover which you right. learn about later. Like, they try to recreate that bond somewhere else. The know, sequence, for, the opening sequence But it doesn't sucks. make any sense. They're, they're, they basically try to remake the spy opening sequence. Why, why is he on the plane? Right. Why is he on the plane? Who is this guy that he's fighting with? Where yeah. the fuck did Jaws come from? If he didn't even recognize him that he was on the plane, like, what, what is it going on in this scene? Look, I, scene I said this in the, zero on the opening piece of this, too. Even before that. You've got a, a 747 flying a uh, a space shuttle to the UK. It makes no sense. And the two henchmen who hijack it look like fucking Fonzie in a fucking leather jacket. Like, <laughs> no yeah, apparently Arthur Fonzarelli is a, a world-class hey. hijack. <laughs> uh, where, where could Jaws physically fit on the plane without being noticed? No way. In the bathroom the entire time? Like... Even then, like we're that's so uncomfortable. How, how like, does he get through TSA with that? Uh, I, I'm six know. three, and like I can't even fit in an airplane bathroom. Like that's it's You're six three, guys. Oh. Guys, yeah. I was I was so harsh on this score, but I absolutely hated it. I trashed it. It's it there was nothing. There was nothing good about this scene. Nothing good. I hated it. I Look, gave it the, a the most exciting part of the sequence is after Bond dispenses with the Borat character when he's trying to clip the the parachute is the most suspenseful and exciting portion of the sequence. And then all of a sudden he gets into an air battle where Jaws's parachute doesn't work, but somehow Jaws, which I'm just going to assume, I'm just going to make up a number and say that they jumped from 15 or 20,000 feet, just lands on a circus tent with no problem. No problem. And he flaps his arms. That's the worst part of it. Looks like a, yeah. They're flying. 
was it Octopussy Circus then? Because I feared he might have come back a third time as one of Octopussy's people yeah. after crashing into a circus of us. But yeah, we're, we're, we're really in the bottom of 3. nonsense oh. in this one. I I'm gave it a two. Four. I scored it a two. I'm a four. I think yeah, four I, is generous. And like another thing that we judge the songs on, that we like scored on, the play value throughout the movie. Do we even hear the song again? At the end, I believe, and I like it. They play the regular Bond riff yeah. more than they play the. I don't know. I'm, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for people listening to actually like it. It stinks. No, I'm not sorry for them because if you like this song, <laughs> you're fucking stupid. This song stinks. Like, this is an abomination. Like, Somebody should be arrested for what they did to Shirley Bassey here. Like, she yeah, got it's just not. Hosed on this. She should have had a Bond trifecta, but she didn't. Stunk. Stunk. All right, let's get into more things that stink in this movie. So let's talk about some fights. Let's talk about some chase sequences. Let's talk about, you know, I don't even know where to begin. Like, Please, what? let's start with the gondola. Isn't right. that the reason uh, why? Water, water or land? Where do you want to start? Water. Start water. Okay. Let's start with the water. The guy in the casket that pops out <laughs> and has like a short-lived like little fight <laughs> sequence where Bond just like throws a knife at him and he has like the worst... One of the worst deaths I've ever seen. He just falls asleep and just goes right back in the game. <laughs> it's a terrible sequence. I like. I hate the gondola. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, it's, it's nothing silly. but it's like just silly. every possible water boat chase bit that you could have come up with, they stuffed into one minute. All right. All of a sudden, the boat's got an engine, and then he cuts another gondola in half, and the gondolier side sinks, but the couple making out, not affected at all. Every stupid thing that could have happened happens in like a two-minute sequence thank god it wasn't that long this whole scene is just geared mm-hmm. towards children look, look and, and then all of a sudden the gondola is now on land first off bond should have been just been peppered with the guy in the machine gun who's like eight feet behind him so he should just be riddled with bullets and then he goes th- driving through the square in in venice wine guys thinks they're drugs people are getting beers dumped on them and the worst worst double take in cinema history i'll die on this hill the pigeon doing a double take at james bond driving by (laughs) is the the worst there is great cinematography in this movie there are beautiful views over the sky gondola in rio de janeiro there is unbelievable cinematography that was stolen by Keanu Reeves, patrick swayze uh r.i.p swayze i mean there is some wonderful cinematography in this movie but the fucking double take of a pigeon is like somebody should have granted it's 1977 the cinematographers probably aren't even alive at this point but if they were they should be fired it was nominated for an oscar i think for visual effects the double take by the pigeon has to be the number one reason why yeah clearly yeah you know because they didn't do all the fucking (laughs) space lasers you'd be better off giving the fucking pigeon laser eyes yeah let's let's go on to the cable car listen Listen, before we get off the gondola scene, we got to talk about how Roger Moore just loves a good fucking boat chase. Yeah. Loves himself a fucking boat chase. And then there's the second boat chase where he's dropping mines, shooting homing missiles, and he just yeah. disappears with a hang glider. Yeah. The jungles of Russia with, like, landmines in Jaws going off a cliff again and somehow surviving yet again. The guy, the guy lives for his fucking boat chase scenes. I think every, every movie, maybe. Yeah, I mean, look, at least in this one, he didn't kick a little kid into the dirty river. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the, the river in Venice is probably just as dirty. And I feel like that, ca- like that casket going in that water is just over. At least this boat chase is somewhat exciting. At least we actually got a motorboat here. But now this thing is tricked out. Yep. Yeah. 
That was this is a this is a good scene. Decent. This is this is a great boat chase scene. Yeah. yeah, but it's totally belittled by the fact that there's a previous horrible boat chase. How hilarious are those mines? They are. Like, <laughs> they just pop up. Those are so over the top. I did like how they have space outfits. Those are about the size of buoys, those well, mines. Those, bottles, those, like, bottles, those bodies getting thrown are pretty terrible. <laughs> bodies, <laughs> the bodies are obviously like crash dummies. He goes off the waterfall, man. But like this, this boat is legit. They're almost as bad as the boat captains in a Russia with Love. That it's, boat's good. It's basically like the same boat from Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. It's a solid boat. And I, um, it's a solid. I gave it a 4.9 just because of that scene. Everything else would like gave it negative points. Yeah. Between that gondola in the cable car, that scene's decent. I made a six. I scored, it, I scored it an even five. Like I said, I started at a five. The canal scene, the canal and gondola lowered it, and then that one brought it back up. Yeah. I think the cable car scene was solid. It didn't really – didn't jump okay. out as anything special, but I don't think it was – I mean, don't, was, don't forget about the Rio de Janeiro Mardi Gras scene where you think you're going to get Bond and Jaws fight, and the drunken carnival people just go parading through the alleyway and just take them with them. Carnival, Listen, man. I did forget about it because it just wasn't memorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I you know, you know what was memorable, though? That's, that's the good head uh, poison pen right there. Yeah. It's, good uh, pen. it's great. Yeah. That of all the situations Bond's been in thus far, that's the scariest one. It's terrifying. That's terrifying. Being in the water with the anaconda like wrapped around you. I put that's terrifying. It, I put that into villain deaths, by the way. I didn't put that into <laughs> <laughs> the anaconda. He uses somebody else's gadget for once to save his own ass. Yeah, yeah. I use that as as a villain death. That's solid. <laughs> he didn't even need Ice Cube and J-Lo to kill his anaconda. Well, listen. I mean, listen, Bond's got two creative snake kills in yes. think, what, we, what we've covered so far with right. the cigar in um, Live and Let Die, and then now with the poison pen through through the throat, or I guess a jaw of the snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through the, whatever, the head, but terrifying. Yeah, fun scene. Yeah, fun scene. I, I guess... Uh, but don't know. forget too that he, he crawls out of the water and Jaws is standing right there. Like there's a lot going on in that scene. And all the women are just like waiting for him to die, just like staring yeah. on that face. How creepy is that? All those women just watching this happen. That's so it creepy. Up, that's why they're part of the, the Draxonian superior. Yeah, race. it's just you know, remorse. A lot going nice. on. So much going on. You yeah, know what? I kinda like I'm gonna bump my score up. I kinda I kind of like the anaconda scene a lot. <laughs> I have it at four point nine. I'm gonna put it because I'm gonna count that as a. I'm gonna count the anaconda as a fight scene, not the uh, villain death. I'm putting five point. I'll put. I'll give it a point up. I'm putting five point nine. I was a four point five and six. I'm, I'm I'm sticking with my score, but like one of the notes that I had put in here was about the double taking pigeon, and I had described it to myself when I first watched this as of the rewatch. I called it the last shred of Bond is put into a garbage can and set on fire. Basically where I'm at on this one. 
Yeah, I yeah. did like some of the music playing during some of the boat chases. Reminded me of the same score from uh, "You Only Live Twice." I was at a six point They were fun, but then again, I know Mike. You have a trip planned to Italy, and I could have sworn you booked that solely just to see the scenes where the whole gondola chase uh, occurred. I rented that very gondola. I was going to drive through it, through, drive through Venice myself. <laughs> Quotes. Quotes. I think the most famous one is at the end, or maybe not the most famous, but the funniest one. With Q at the end, where he's attempting re-entry. 007. Is this the first? Wait, no, no. They, they already spied on him with Anya. So this is the second time. And, they, spy, and they spied on him with um, uh, Golden Gun. Correct. Golden You're right. Golden Gun. Well, they pulled so this is like night. the third time that they creeped well, on or like. If you, if you really want to get into detail on that, too, I mean – even like Dr. No, where he just lets the boat go, they were kind yeah, of yeah, but there's no like MI6 no video, there's no video, or like, right? No record. Well, what's the one coming up? And I know I'm totally jumping ahead. What's the one coming up where Bond is Bond, Bond? What's that? It's a view to a killing, it's a shower robot. No, no, <laughs> the one where um. He's on the phone with uh, the actress that's supposed to be uh, Margaret Thatcher, the British Prime Minister, and the bird is talking. You only live twice. That's, that's next. What I thought it was. Yeah. The girl's parrot. Yeah. Um, Great ending. Listen, listen, we'll get to that. We'll look, get to listen, it. quotes, quotes, guys. I didn't think there was a whole lot to offer in this film. I like the beginning. 007, why are you so late? Fell out of an aeroplane without a parachute. I thought there were some. Yeah. Of these, like, there weren't a lot of them, but the ones that were in here were pretty good, right? I mean, like Drax, like look after Mister Bond, see that some harm comes to him, and it's delivered so good. It it's was. That was a good. good that, that, that's a good villain quote. That's Even a good like, delivery. He's like, "You missed Mister Bond. Hmm. Did I when he shoots a fucker out of the tree?" Yeah, and then I mean, obviously yeah. we played it before, but Bollinger, if it's sixty-nine, you were expecting me, a great line. There's nothing iconic here. There's no. a few a few that'll make you chuckle. A few fun, nothing yet. That's where we're at right now with Roger Moore though. Yeah. yeah. It's like, have you broken anything? Only my tail is hot. Not memorable, but you got a good laugh out of it. Yeah. I mean, what's um, um what's Jaws's quote in this movie? I mean, do we does it, do we gotta do we gotta bump our scores because Jaws gets a line? Do we decrease our scores because Jaws gets a line? Everybody's got a voice. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, what does Jaws even say? He said, here's to us. It yeah, was, when he, then they yeah, cheer champagne. Right. He the champagne and, and toasted. Like, he, did, he didn't even need a line, yeah. honestly. It's pandering to the children, I guess, that wanted to see Jaws, more Jaws. It wasn't yeah. only the children, but, yeah, pandering to the audience. Whatever. They ruined him. I, I might even decrease points because of that. Yeah, guys, I initially had quotes at a three, but you guys threw out a few good points that the ones that were in there were delivered pretty well. I yeah. bumped it four. <laughs> I was actually, going so much higher. <laughs> I am actually remiss. I, I think this probably should have been in in the fight scenes. I know we all tried to forget that it happened, but I, I'm sorry. We have to go back. Well, 
bunch of dockers out there. I know I've tried to uh, erase it from my memory, but I would be remiss if we did not talk about uh, the space laser scene, which I guess... That's the worst scene in the movie. It's pretty much why my quintessential fight, Jay, will stay at 4.5. <laughs> Listen, I think the only, the only scene that rivals this in what we've seen so far is the underwater scene in Thunderball. The underwater fight scene is yeah, i thought they were was... equally as bad i guess just the way it was shot in thunderball makes me appreciate it more but that was just a bad brutal 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 brutal, brutal. cringe really cringe to watch honestly going back to quotes i gave it a 5.5 i mean really kind of middle of the road for me honestly uh, 5-0 on that one yeah soup Quotes five five. They were fun, but nothing you remember besides I'm attempting reentry. <laughs> Brings us to our conclusion in villain deaths. So where do you want to start on this one? Listen, I told you I put the snake death in the in the villain death. <laughs> but um I thought I thought there were some pretty good villain deaths in this film, honestly. Chang getting thrown through the clock was was pretty good. Obviously Drax getting killed with the dart gun was very good on their part in in bringing it back to what was first introduced in the film. I don't know. Jaws flipping sides was kind of in that conclusion scene. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking about the fact that he's he's doing laps around the earth, shooting deadly gas balls. Um, yeah, you know, after like, they kill Drax. I mean, you know, we didn't even that's talk about the fact that this guy should use like an organic poison plant to destroy the planet. Nintendo controller trying to blow up the things one by one. Shutting off the gravity in the whole space station, it wrapped up pretty fun. And like the death was not the worst, considering the circumstances they were in space. Yeah, I didn't really care for like the dart that going into Drax. More or less, him getting like just dying in space would suck. That would suck so bad, just suffocating. Just in the middle of space. But the problem is, like, you wouldn't suffocate. like there's a whole bunch of stuff on this. Where, like your yeah, body it's like getting shot by a dart. Like I feel like I don't know. It's, I don't know. Point. I I think if they would have just sent him out into space, I feel like it would have just been like a Kananga yeah. blowing up like a balloon type thing. Like it, it would it wouldn't have done sure. anything for me. Yeah, it would have just been was, like, oh, he's just gonna go out into orbit. You know, like it would do nothing for me. I, I just think it's the whole like I'm gonna shoot you the door. Oh, hey, let me get the door for you. And let me open the door, and then well, what is it like? Bond has like a quintessential like quip of him like Bond voyage or something like that. Max had a fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like get off uh, comical, uh, just like the rest of this movie. It's just like I feel like well, let's let, let's take a look at that scene real quick. Roger yeah. Moore esque. Yeah, it is cool. They say it can puncture the skin of a rhino from a. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, yes, that's awesome. What? Yeah. You just took one in the jugular, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yes! <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, I did. Is this bad? Is this bad? Okay. She pulled that out. That shit is not cool. Wait. Wait. Pull what out? The dart, man. Got a fucking dart in your neck. <laughs> Sniffler's oh, mom, though. Old school. Hilarious. Oh. I gave it a I gave the conclusion and villain deaths a five point nine. 
mainly because the deaths were great, mainly because Jaws is like ending to his character. The whole ending in general was just shitty. I'm going to be honest. I didn't care for it. Trey, I'm I'm with you score wise. I'm there at a six. I thought we had some creative villain deaths. I liked. I did like Drax's kill. The dart kind of bringing it full circle was good for me. I like Chang's death and I like the snake death. Jaws flipping sides kind of ruined it a little bit. And then I Supel kind of referenced in the Nintendo shooting of the gas bombs. You know, wasn't great. So I was at a six. Like space and in, space invaders. Uh, I was at 5.5. It was fun, but not great. I'm a 5.0. I think I'm the lowest on this one. It just the, the ending just does nothing for me. Yeah. I like the no, absolute what? ending scene where they're getting spied on, but the action sequence. Eh. Yeah, I don't think we'll have very many movies that have such a terrible opening, terrible conclusion. They have such like a like plot that has so much to like offer and it just falls so flat. It's really kind of disappointing, honestly. And maybe it has something to do with like how they rushed the movie out because of Star Wars. And I mean, good for them. The movie was excess, but stunk. Yeah. I kind of been back and forth overall, just as I'm rewatching these films, I'm like, uh, is this, is this going to be in my bottom five? It might, it might be, it might be in my bottom five. I'm going to tell you for sure it's going to be bottom 10, which is if you're not in the top 10, you're almost in the bottom 10 because that's just how the cookie crumbles. But it's it's not – I wouldn't say it's a lock for the bottom five for me, but it's probably pretty damn close. Same. I I can all but assure you it's a lock for the bottom five for me. Score-wise and personal enjoyment-wise, it's at the bottom for me. Take us home, Dick. All right. There have been a lot of – live score changes so correct me if i'm wrong here but we'll start with our high scorer here trey um, really you have this thing fucking highest trey <laughs> I've, got, I've got you here for plot at a 6.1 bond performance at a six bond villain a 5.6 i think you need to make his score a 5.4 on bond villain by the way <laughs> one point below carl stromberg no yeah. way <laughs> i've got bond girl 6.9 Guns, Cars, Gadgets, a 7.1. The song opening sequence, a 3.4. Supporting cast, a 5.6. Chase and fight scene, a 5.9. Quotes, a 5.5. And conclusions in death, a 5.9. That brings you to an overall 58. Yeah. That's accurate? Yeah. Lots of lots of fives. High fives. That's a crazy and death when you always end up at a round number. Our next highest scorer is John Supel. Uh, Soup, I got you here as a plot with a six. Bond performance at a five. Bond villain at a six. Bond girl at a six. Guns, cars, gadgets, a 7.5. Song and opening sequence, a three. Supporting cast, a six. Chase and fight scene, a six. Quotes, a 5.5. And conclusions in death, a 5.5. Correct. All right, so I got you 56.5 overall. My math was right for once. And then, Mike, I got you and me the same, 52.5. Mike, I got you here with a plot at a 5.5. Yep. Bond performance, a 5.5. Yep. Bond villain, a 6. Mm-hmm. Bond girl, a 5. Guns, cars, gadgets, 7.5. Song and opening sequence, a 4. Supporting cast, a 4.5. Chase and fight scenes, a 4.5. Quotes of five, 
and conclusions and deaths of five. That's it. That's a 52.5, my friend. And for me, I had plot at a seven, Bond performance a six, Bond villain a six, Bond girl a 5.5, Guns, Cars, Gadgets a 7.5, song and opening sequence a two, supporting cast a 3.5, chase and fight scenes a five, quotes a four, and conclusions and deaths a six. So 52.5. Me and Mike both had two totally different ways of getting there, but we both scored it low. So, I mean, overall, overall, this film is probably, probably going to score, I think, a little higher than I actually enjoy watching it. So I think, I think the overall score will probably be a little bit higher on my overall ranking and my enjoyment of viewing is going to be lower. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of properly rated for me. Honestly, I, I don't mind watching this movie. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't mind. Maybe it is one of my guilty pleasures. It's going to like, it's low in the rankings for me, but it's one of those bond movies where I don't like, if it's on TV, I'll flip, I'll, I'll leave it on the channel. I don't care to like flip it off. I'll watch it. It's just not a great, Bond film. What Bond wouldn't you watch if it was on TV? Do you want to get to it or do you want to no. just trash die another day now? <laughs> I might even watch that just to I mean, that's one. Okay. <laughs> so this is your second to last Bond. Right? This movie stinks. It's not yeah. a good Bond movie. Not great. Yeah. There's I a lot of cringe scenes on this. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I agree, Trey. If it's on TV, I'll probably watch it for a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, I said earlier in the podcast, it had me up until they kind of went to space. I was, I was all right. Yeah, sure. I was all right watching it up until that point, and then I was like, all right, I'm over it. But you have to get through it. You got you to gotta watch it. To, Look, maybe to the first entirety. time when I watched it when I was seven, I enjoyed watching it until they got to space, and maybe I thought the space part was quirky. It lost me from the very beginning. Maybe I'm a little hypercynical, but like the, the spaceship flying off the back of a 757 just lost me right from the, from, right from the get-go, and it never had me. Well, I'll tell you what, comparing like it to my other scores, it scored a half point higher than You Only Live Twice. And that movie stinks. Yeah. But great, based, great on, song, based on scores, I yep. I can't say for sure it's going to be in bottom five. It's going to be low, but it's, I can't actually yeah, say it's going to be bottom five. And look, at, and I think that's the quirky part of this entire experiment is that our lists and our rankings are not necessarily going to match up. Yep. And, I, and I think that that's part of scoring a Bond movie against itself empirically the way that we do. Exactly. As we've said in multiple episodes that our personal rankings are not going to necessarily reflect our score rankings. We're going to have episodes that detail that. We're going to go through our top to bottom score rankings after we wrap this all up. And we're going to do a top to bottom of our just preferred Bonds to watch. Some of them are just guilty pleasure films that you like to watch and they probably suck. I mean, listen, there's a lot of bad ones, but sometimes the bad ones are, are a little fun to watch. All right. Anything else? No. I think we capped everything we wanted to tackle with this one. <laughs> James, James Bond will be back in, uh, in Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. For your eyes only. Look out.